Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. Glad you can make it. So, I pulled my back out <laughs> with uh, J-Care, which is where I take care of my kids, and uh, we had to go to the doctors, so I was carrying Minnie in one arm, and then Milo was walking, and then I was like, Milo's walking too slow, so I picked Milo up, and then then I sat down for a little while, and then all of a sudden I stood up, and I could not move my left leg barely. So I've been in a lot of pain uh, the past two days. Yesterday I spent most of my time laying flat on my back with my foot on the <laughs> on the uh, coffee table. And I told Karen, I'm like, I'm just going to sleep here. So, yeah, stressful day yesterday. So... It's a bummer when you have two kids and then you're like the spouse that can't do anything. You know? <laughs> you're like, oh, sorry, honey. I hurt my back. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, so, that's my monologue. Um, I want to talk about a couple things today. Um one is uh, this thing called the Nashville Statement. I don't know if some of you may have heard of it. It's doesn't really have anything to do with Nashville, I don't think, which is bizarre <laughs> that you would call it the Nashville Statement. Um, but it was a statement that a bunch of pastors signed every now and then. Pastors like to get together, <laughs> make a statement, and a bunch of people sign it, and it's usually conservative pastors, and they think it's a great idea. And this one was basically condemning LGBTQ folks. Um, and I was just going to read Article 10, because I think Article 10 is the, it's the clobber article. I didn't really read the rest of it. so, But it says... Uh, now remember, this is not revolution. I'm speaking. I'm, I'm reading from the Nashville Statement. Um, it says we affirm that it is sinful to approve of homosexual immorality or transgenderism, which is new that they're attacking transgender folks. Transgenderism, and that such approval constitutes an essential departure from the Christian faithfulness and witness. We deny. I like how they use the word we affirm. We deny that the approval of homosexual immorality and transgenderism is a matter of moral indifference about which otherwise faithful Christians should agree to disagree. So, a lot of guys signed this. Francis Chan, I think, signed it. Um, he's the only real... Oh, John Piper, <laughs> shocker, <laughs> signed it. Um, but yeah... So they kind of threw down the, 
with the gauntlet, I guess. I don't know what they threw down, but they put this out there. And strange that it's something that timing was strange because you have a hurricane happening and different things like that. Um, but there was a there was a really good on Twitter. There was a really good rebuttal. I know if I can find it because I put it in my likes. So I'll see if I can find it. If not, I'll just. I'll just paraphrase it, which I might have to do because the new Twitter is really hard to figure out. What's the deal with this Twitter? The kids today. Um, this is when Matthew Vines tweeted, and uh, it's from someone named Monica. It goes, I would love these people to be in my house. To see the hysterical crying kid begging God to fix them. To have to sit up suicide watch with a kid who thinks killing themselves is better than sinning by being gay. To be literally covered in children's blood as they are screaming at God to get the EMT there before the suicide attempts becomes a world without their light. And then see if maybe they would see the harm their words are causing. Would they have that poison on their breath as they literally breathed for a child? But they never will. They live in towers made of whitewashed tombs of bad theology. But that was a pretty good comment because the fruit of the ex-gay movement and the fruit of attacking LGBTQ folks um, or transgenderism, which I've never heard before. <laughs> They've coined a term there. Um, leads to, what I've seen it lead to is suicide. I've seen it lead to homelessness. I've seen it lead to kids being kicked out. I saw somebody quote, do a quote the other day and said, how many gay parents have kicked their kids out for being straight? <laughs> and uh, I would say zero would be my guess. Um, but this type of thing is kind of a last gasp of the evangelicals, I think. I think they're just grasping at straws. They want their control. They like certainty. And so they feel like they have to make some sort of a statement. Um, which for me is I've written their names down so that that'll be historical. We can remember them for this. Because that's the type of thing we'll look back and remember these folks for is uh, intolerance and trying to do it in the name of Jesus. I was watching somebody who was defending it, was reading somebody who was defending it, and they're like, you know, we just love people, and that's why we've, you know, got to do this, and, you know, you just got to repent and get your life right. You know, and it's just, I, I, I'm often surprised that this shit still happens and that people still are fighting this fight. And... Uh, the damage that it causes, and and so I think we're not out of the we're definitely not out of the fight, because there's people in Middle America, and suburbs and things whose parents listen to people like Francis Chan and John Piper and things like that, who do have LGBT kids. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these pastors who signed this have LGBTQ kids, and may even be LGBTQ themselves. So, it's. Uh, it's a sad, sad event. 
it's a really sad thing. And uh, I, I uh, disagree with it, and I'm glad that Revolution is an affirming church, and I'm glad that I'm an affirming person. Um, and I'm glad that we're not focused on who's out and who's in. The only thing I did like about it was is that at least it said those who affirm. So I like the fact that it counts me out of Christianity. That they've made the judgment. So now, you know, it's like it's not just my LGBT, LGBTQ brothers and sisters who are being counted out. It's also us who affirm them. So they've drawn a line, and there it is. And I'm proud to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Yes. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and it's a little bit more difficult and it's a little bit more personal, is um, my father and some of his statements he's been making lately. Um, my father has become very conservative, and he knows that his son is very liberal. Um, he knows his daughter is very liberal. He calls us his liberal kids. Um, but he made a statement about uh, if if Donald Trump is impeached, that Christians will come out of the shadows and start a civil war. And... Um, Maybe the Christians who sign things like the Nashville Statement, I don't know. But um, I want to make it clear that this is something I I disagree with completely. Um, if any of you know me, you know I'm not pro-Trump. Uh, I try to ignore this stuff, to be honest with you, but this one was unable to ignore. I had a lot of people Facebooking me or a lot of people who like at me to be like, well, at least his son at Jay Baker is good. You know, and I go, oh, click on this. I've been mentioned somewhere, you know. And then it's like, oh, it's this video. My nephew had someone posted the video on my nephew's Facebook page. Um, it's very disheartening um, because I don't believe Christ is, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's, I mean, it's just not scriptural. And... And it's tough. It's tough. I spent many years defending my father. And uh, going through hell with my parents is, is together, you know, through my dad going through prison and things like that. And so it's very hard to be at this point where I disagree with him so strongly. But I felt like it was important to mention, um, not just for folks here, but also for the online congregation to know that this is uh, something I strongly disagree with. And people go, well, have you ever tried to talk to your dad about it? And yes, I have, every time we see each other. Um, but it's not very fruitful. So uh, there you go. So do, do I excommunicate my father from my life? because he disagrees with me. Um, I don't know. So I'm going to read some verses um, that, if I said stop me, if you've heard this one before, you'd stop me because I've used all these verses before. Um, so 
sue me. But uh, how we're supposed to hold our enemies, and if, if if Christians were to follow the Bible and what this thing does, if Trump was impeached or things like that, this is the the this is what we're called to do. In Luke six twenty seven says, "But if you're willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, pray for their happiness." Those who curse you, pray for those with who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give what you have to anyone who asks for it. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Do you think you deserve credit for merely loving those who love you? Even sinners do that. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. And if the actual word is, I think, is Gentiles rather than sinners, but this is a paraphrased Bible. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even Gentiles will lend to their own kind for full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned that they might not repay. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you'll truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father in heaven is compassionate. This is what the love of God looks like. This is what the when what Christ loves look like. Now, this is a twofold message here. Now, this isn't because I'm not probably preaching to the same people my dad are preaching to, I'm guessing. Um, but it's one, how we react, but it's also how we're called to react to people who say these things. And it's really tough to do that. And it's tough for me to continually try to have a civil discussion with family when they say things like this. I mean, I don't know how many family members I've blocked before because they've said anti-gay things on my Facebook page and, you know, told me that they had no gay brothers and sisters when I said I loved my LGBTQ brothers and sisters and that that's troubling it's really troubling um as far as looking at the nashville statement jesus makes it clear here in 37 stop judging others and you will not be judged stop criticizing others or it will come back on you if you forgive others you will be forgiven if you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you full measure, pressed down, shaking together to make room for more. And running over what measure you use to give, large or small, it will be used measured to give back to you. I'm going to skip over to 41. It says, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrites. 
First get rid of the log from your own eye, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now when Jesus was speaking to this and talking about this, he was talking about Pharisees who miss, Pharisees and teachers of religious law who miss the important things. They were all about separation. They're all about who we are, who's in and who's out. Just like that Nashville statement. You know, um, it was fear. It was immaturity. So what I don't think a lot of people realize is that the plank or the log in the eye of these folks is statements like this thing of Nashville statement that says we are able to judge who is saved and who is not. You know, it just says if you believe this and you believe this, then you're not a believer. And we are not called to do that. I mean, I don't know how many times in the New Testament it says stop judging. Even Paul, our crazy Paul the Apostle, says stop judging one another. We've turned away from a good news. This message of love and grace is what I've got to battle this type of thing. You know, um... It's funny because I'm hurt by the words of my father and then I go into the comment section and I see the things that people are saying about him and I'm hurt by those words as well. It's another twofold type of thing, you know, and it's, it's uh, tough. And I have tried to wonder if I should even say anything because it's a personal issue, even though he's a public person, you know, because I have my own things. I have my own depression that I'm working through and dealing with. And do I, do I deal with this? Do I say something? Obviously, I decided to say something. Um, I lean not on my own understanding for this. I just have some favorite scriptures that I'm really leaning on right now. What I want to make clear is is that I truly, truly love my father. I just disagree with him. And, you know, I don't know if what he's saying is could be considered dangerous or not. I guess it could be considered dangerous in the wrong people's, uh, gets to the wrong people. Um, but in Corinthians thirteen four through 7, it says, Love is patient and kind. Now, this is a whole, this is like a dialectic sermon or a two-fold sermon. It is going, it is pointing. It's like when you say, you point your finger and then they're like, there's four more fingers pointing back at you or three fingers and a thumb. I don't know how that, <laughs> is the thumb a finger? <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's just say three more fingers pointing back at you. Um, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it's been wronged. It's never glad about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And in this 
same time thing. It says I could move mountains. I could have the faith to move mountains. I could heal the sick. I could do all this stuff. But without love, all of it is worthless. So I don't know if going on and attacking people on Twitter is the answer to this. There's got to be a better way. You know, um, I always say this, but King and Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King and Gandhi saw a better way. But they didn't live in a 100 and, what is it, 43 character world. So my call is to these people is to say that, you know, this is a call to me to say how I feel like I should try to love my father, but it's also a call to those people who think that some reason if their president was impeached, they should have a civil war. And it's, you know, don't demand your own way. Love doesn't do that. You know, we've got to somehow get back to love. If God is truly love, then we've got to help people get back to that essence of love and get away from legalism, and to get away from man's religion, which seems to be destroying and hurting people. I mean, the fruits of the ex-gay movement, the fruits of a conservative movement, uh, of this who's in and who's out, is people leaving the church, or people taking their lives. You know, it's, it's not peace, patience, kindness, joyfulness, and the other ones. <laughs> it's not that. Do you hear me? Do you hear me out there? I have a very Minnesota audience today. <laughs> mm, yes, I like what you did with that. Um, <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, uh, side note, rabbit hole. When I was at the state fair, I went and saw a juggler, <laughs> a magician juggler, I think. And he was really hilarious how he talked about Minnesota crowds because <laughs> we just don't respond. And I find that I'm starting to become that way now. It's really interesting. Minnesota is a, it's a, it's a strange place, don't you know? Um, but I learned to love it unconditionally. <laughs> I do have a plan to try to wrap this sucker up um, in a minute, but when Jesus is uh, at the Last Supper, he says, uh, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Wow. Wow. How far have we gotten from that? Now, what's new about a commandment to love one another? Because Jesus has already said two most important commandments, love God with all your heart, equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. But he presses it with these guys and says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. But when we talk about Christian right and Christian left, having civil war or things like that, that is not love for one another. It's just simply not. We've missed it. 
I've been reading some of some of uh, Richard Rohr. Seems a pretty pretty cool pretty cool guy. Um, and one of the one of the verses he says, "But I warn you, unless you obey God better than the teachers of religious law." And Pharisees do, you cannot enter the kingdom of God at all. Do you hear that? But I warn you, unless you obey God better than the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom of God at all. I don't think this is about heaven, but I think this is about the kingdom of God as the fruits of the Spirit, uh, peace, patience, kindness, joyfulness, long-suffering, all those Um but we're called to be, be love more than the religious teachers because the religious teachers were about being separate. Again, it was about us and them. It was going who's clean and who is unclean. And he's saying unless you obey God more, better than this, this, you're missing it. You don't you don't get the fruits of the spirit. You miss that. You know, at the time it must have seemed. I mean, I would. I remember used to read this verse. And never understand it and think like, how could I be more holy than these guys? I mean, these guys seem to like, they ticked off Jesus because they were so holy, you know. I mean, I don't get it, you know. And now I get it. And I wanted to read what um, Richard Rohr wrote about it because I think it's powerful and important. Unless your holiness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.20 In other words... There is an early stage of holiness that looks like the real thing but isn't. This is a sacrificial religion on which the scribes and the Pharisees in every group pride themselves. All zealots and true believers tend to be immensely sacrificial on the highly visible level and fool almost everybody. I sacrifice myself by obeying these laws, by attending these services, or even serving the poor. And by being more heroic than you are, they might think. Often they do not love God or others as such heroic obedience. They are merely seeking moral high ground for themselves. And the social esteem that comes with it. Or as Paul put it, I can give my body to be burned, but without love it is worth nothing. Yet it fools most people. Oh, wait, sorry. Most bogus religion, in my opinion, is highly sacrificial in one another visible way, but not loving at all. Yet it fools most people. I will do not dare names here, but you can fill in the blanks. It is a common disguise in every religion of the world. The Pharisees are merely stand-ins for all of us lower levels, where Jesus and Jewish stand in for all of us higher levels. He affirms love of God and love of neighbor and says, this is far more important than offering any temple or sacrifice. In several contexts, he quotes Hosea the prophet saying, God, go learn the meaning of these words. I want mercy, not your sacrifices. Do you see how these folks have made it about sacrifice, about giving up, about fighting he seems to use these quotes in several contexts to encounter people who are righteous and judgmental. 
and holier-than-thou types who are judging him and his disciples for not being sacrificial enough. I've heard a lot of these guys go, well, I didn't make up the rules. I just love, you know, I'm just I'm following what the Bible says. I'm just following what God says, you know. But they're, they're have a superficial, lower levelness of holiness that says, I'm separate. It's about what I do and what I can do and, uh, and what I don't do about who's in and who's out. And that's where we get legalism. And I've seen it a lot with new Christians. I, w- I was that way when I, out of 100 times I got saved because I was in the Assemblies of God, so you just got saved over and over again. Went to the altar a lot. It's about time I probably hit the altar again. But uh, but you know you you think I would think I have to live this certain way, and then as soon as I started to see little holes in my armor, or that I started to maybe have a wine cooler or do something like that, it was like oh my salvation is gone, you know because I thought it was all about who is in, who is out, who I hung out with, who I spent time with, the type of music I listened to, and all that. That is just a early stage of holiness. It is just a misguided people. And what's sad to me is a lot of these people who are signing things like the Nashville Statement or my dad have been in ministry for a long time and I feel like should know better. So, what do we do? This is what I did. I spoke this sermon. It's from my heart. It may not be perfect, but it's where I'm at right now. And, uh, man... It is a painful place to be. I'm sad by the Nashville statement because working with long soul force and so many people, I've seen such, 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 I've seen the fruits. I've sat with parents whose children have taken their own lives. And because uh, they, parents were even against them. And then I said the parents come around, but they came around after their child was gone. That's a tough thing. So there's been a lot of harm done in the name of Christ. There's been a ton of a mess done. Um, I, uh, it's so funny because people ask me what, how I feel about my dad, and I didn't realize, you know, about this issue. And when I went to the, my therapist, my therapist said, you seem very sad. You know? Because I, I, I'm not surprised anymore by kind of the stuff he says. You know, he's been saying some more evangelical, uh, 
conservative type things for the past few years. But it's really saddening. And uh, I don't know what to do about it. I don't even know how to love about it. So I'm open to suggestions. You know, and those folks listening in online know that they can suggest on Twitter or Facebook and things like that. Um, I did an interview with um, what was his name who started It Gets Better campaign? Dan Savage, yeah. And I asked Dan Savage, I said, my dad's doesn't seem to be very supportive of LGBTQ folks. You know, I have a kid. I don't know what to do. Do I talk to him? Do I, you know, what are your, what's your opinion? Because Dan Savage is pretty radical when it comes to his opinions, and I just wanted to know what he said. And he said, love him. So that's the only choice I have is to love. I can't, maybe don't have to approve or go to all the family get-togethers or anything like that. But I can love and I can say things out of love and hopefully be someone who is, uh, who helps clear up misinformation. And I hope we can do that with things like the Nashville Statement. I just hope we can find loving ways to to face these things. I so like when I say I do not agree with my father's words, I disagree. It doesn't seem scriptural to me. It doesn't go along with my theology, but I still love them. I hope we can find that in our own selves for other people that theologies and things that don't agree with us that we can say we don't agree, we strongly disagree, but I can still find it somewhere in my heart to love them. As a higher love is the higher law. And man, it's tough. And that is picking up your cross. That is what it talks about when it says die to your flesh daily. It's saying love, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. When Jesus is saying all that stuff, he's like, in, in uh, another version, I think in John, I was reading out of Luke, but in John it says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say, so Jesus was doing something radical. Love your enemies, do that. Jesus was changing the law. Jesus was changing theology. Jesus was changing the sacred text completely by saying, you've heard it said, but I say, do this. He turned the law upside down. He put it on his head. So this is the radical, this is where Reformation starts. As you've heard it said, but I say, you know, the law of Moses says, but I say, do this, don't do that. You know, hate your enemy and do good to those who love you. But I say, love your enemy and bless those who persecute you. And it's not just roses and Oh, we love you. You know, it's use your intellect, use your wisdom, use your discernment. 
you know, find find the right way to do it. Um, reconciliation is a horribly tough thing. And it seems that the Bible continues to call us to that type of reconciliation with one another. Um, I'm going to close with that. I want to thank you guys for coming out today. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then uh, we'll, we'll do our thing. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And uh, we really do need a peace that passes understanding because it's a strange time to be alive. And uh, help us to love those that seem unlovable. Help us to love those who seem to persecute those we love. Uh, Give us the wisdom and the strength to understand how to do that in a way that is transformative. Guide us in the uh, right direction. Amen.